What a freaking basketball game that we were treated to tonight between the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors. Last time I was here inside the Chase Center, I was in this exact spot on the Lockdown Kings podcast, losing my mind, saying some things I probably shouldn't have said about the two beautiful bridges here in the Bay Area. Shout out SF Gate. But that was after Clay Thompson hit a game winner to break all of Sacramento's hearts again, right? Well, tonight the stage was set perfectly for it to happen again. The Kings missed two clutch free throws. They're only up by one. Steph Curry has the ball with a chance to hit the game winner, and we've all seen Steph destroy the Kings way too many times in the past. But the Kings get the defensive stop. They beat the Warriors 134-133, to evening up the regular season series, two games apiece between these two teams. And I'll be honest with you, I don't need to see these two play anymore for the remainder of this season. The playoffs, I don't need to see it again until next year. You are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And yes, of course, I am amped because the Sacramento Kings won this game. Yes, of course, I am amped because the Kings defeated the Golden State Warriors. But I am also amped because this was just a fun freaking NBA game, right? And we were t- I was talking about coming into this game with D'Lo and KC on ESPN 1320, and a-, and a major part of the conversation around this game was how after we got that best-of-seven playoff series, these teams playing twice in the preseason and then playing three times in the first month of the season, it felt like this fourth and final matchup, a national TV game on TNT during NBA Rivalry Week with both teams coming into this game struggling at this point in the season, or at least they've been in a bit of a rut recently, I thought, you know, this game didn't necessarily, it wasn't as exciting or wasn't as meaningful as maybe we thought it would be when the schedule came out. There wasn't as much anticipation or even nerves for this game, at least for me. That being said, boy, did this game deliver. Boy, did the NBA get it right, putting this game on TNT. This truly was the game that we were robbed of in the best of seven series against the, or, or with the Kings playing the Warriors uh, last year. Right, Because that series was amazing. There was great drama back and forth. Steph Curry going for 50. The Kings forcing the, the, the series to seven games despite it being their first time in the playoffs in over 16 years. Right, that, that series had so much. But what it didn't have was the offensive shootout duel between these two teams when offense is what both of them are known for. It was more of a grinded out defensive battle where both teams never really shot the basketball well. Tonight made up for it, and tonight gave us a glimpse of what that series could have been and maybe should have been. Both teams combined for 41 made threes. The Warriors shot 55% from the field, 51% from three-point range, 78% from the field or from the free throw line. The Kings shot 52% from the field, 45% from three-point range, 84% from the free throw line. The Wild West shootout that a lot of us expected and many of us wanted in the playoffs 
We got it tonight. And the fact that the Kings can say that they defeated the Golden State Warriors on a night where the Warriors shot 51% from three-point range. And it wasn't like they only took a, a small amount of them. This is the Golden freaking uh, State Warriors we're talking about here. If they're shooting 51%, they're doing it on a high volume. They made 19 threes tonight. You mean to tell me the Kings beat the Warriors on a night where the Warriors made 19 threes? It wasn't just Steph Curry beating you, although Steph scored 18 points in the first quarter, only 15 points for the remainder of the game. Shout out Keegan Murray. But the Warriors had that good of a shooting night, and the Kings still beat them because Sacramento had that good of a shooting night as well, although it is fitting. It is so fitting the way the Kings won this game, right? When, when Kevin Herter stepped to the free throw line with the Kings up one after HB got... A massive defensive stop. And, of course, we're going to talk about HB tonight because he had a career high, even bigger night than his 32 points that he put up a couple nights ago when the Kings beat the Atlanta Hawks in Sacramento, right? I did not see back-to-back 30-point games for Harrison Barnes coming. And a lot of people are going to talk about his offense, and rightfully so. You're damn right we're going to do that here on the podcast. But for HB to end the game with the big defensive stop that he did, leading to Kevin Herter stepping to the free throw line, and he shoots in the 80s, percentile-wise in free from the free-throw line, and he missed both free-throws. And I looked. I was sitting in a king's row with my, my partner, Kevin John, with Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins, and Brendan Nunez uh, from uh, Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio. And we all looked at each other, and we just shook our heads because we're like, damn it. The Kings had made their first 12 free-throws, right? The free-throw shooting was really, really good. And then towards the end of the game, they started missing a few, and Kevin Herter misses two at the very end, setting the stage for Steph Curry's game winner. But the Kings win the game because De'Aaron Fox, with great help defense by Kevin Herter, force a Steph Curry turnover in the final second. Steph doesn't even get a shot off, and the Kings won an offensive battle with back-to-back huge defensive stops. Mwah. Chef's kiss, cherry on top of the cupcake. What an awesome way for the Kings to win this game. HB tonight, man, 39 points, 14 of 24 from the field, 7 of 12 from three-point range, four rebounds. HB knocking down big shot after big shot all night long and experiencing uh, experiencing it here inside the Chase Center with a obviously primarily Golden State Warriors crowd, a crowd that remembers HB as the guy that choked in the playoffs and that they had to get rid of in order to bring uh, Kevin Durant to town. He silenced them. Not only is he, actually that's not true. They were making noises. They were groaning and some of them gasping after every big shot that uh, Barnes hit, and it wasn't just one good quarter or one good half. The entire freaking night, Harrison knocking down big shots in the flow of the offense. Now, Mike Brown said after the game that he drew up more plays for Harrison tonight than he has the entire rest of the season combined, and I believe him, especially in the fourth quarter. They went to Harrison for two massive shots in, from the mid-range. Post-up shots, he buried two in a row. They actually went to him a third time, and that third shot rimmed out. But two big shots to help keep the Kings ahead and to, to slow the Warriors down with the push that they were making a little bit, right? Two huge buckets by HB. And, and, and the Warrior crowd is just looking around going, what in the world? But with the exception of, 
a handful of those plays in the fourth quarter, it was still HB got himself going in the flow of the offense. HB knocking down the open shots that he's naturally going to get because of how Sacramento's offense functions. These last two games, the Kings' offenses looked like themselves. To be completely honest with you, in most of the Suns' game until the fourth quarter, and in most of the 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 uh, Bucks game on the road, those two back-to-back games that the Kings lost in heartbreaking fashion, the Kings' offense looked much better in those games. But four out of the last five games, Sacramento's offense has looked like themselves again, right? The vibes are starting to come back, and I have some great vibe sound and, uh, from post-game to play for you and to show you at the end of this podcast, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But... HB was getting his looks in the flow of the offense. Now, the Sacramento Kings cannot rely on Harrison scoring around 30 points or over 30 points a night for them to make a deep playoff run. If they do, they're screwed, right? And that's certainly not what the Kings were asking of him. We know, based off of these past two games and the Utah game, he's capable of doing that. But more often than not, he's not going to do that. The thing is, if the Kings, and a lot of this falls on Harrison too, If the Kings and Harrison can put together a consistent output from HB offensively, his ability to space the floor, knock down a good portion, 40% of the open looks that he's getting, give him opportunities on the block to work in the post and work from the mid-range from time to time. Not all the time, not primarily, but give him a a touch or two. Set a screen for him once or twice a game and let him get that rhythm rhythm, and let him establish himself that way. Because he's either going to continue to get open shots all night long because of the amount of attention on Fox, Sabonis, Keegan, Herter, and everybody else, or defenses are going to have to do what they did tonight, which is throwing Draymond and Jonathan Kaminga at Harrison Barnes, which takes them off of Fox and takes them off of Sabonis and takes them off of the other guys who can also cook and get theirs as well. This is audio and video that you have to watch and pay attention to because we spoke to Harrison Barnes finally after this big game. And Harrison talked a lot about, and I I got the opportunity to ask him a couple of questions, and he talked about nights where you don't get the touches and how difficult those are and and the things that the sacrifices that players have to make, other teammates have to make when guys are having big nights. And he mentions the sacrifices that his teammates were making tonight in order for him to have those big nights. It puts in a really, really good perspective, or at least gives us a better appreciation, I think, of the nights where Harrison is not filling up the stat sheet. Sure, those nights where Harrison completely disappears, those nights are problematic. But I think what Harrison is saying here in an indirect way, and you're gonna, you can tell for yourself and, and take your own conclusions here, I think in an indirect way, what he's saying is, look, just because what I'm doing is not showing up in the stat sheet doesn't mean it's not impactful and important to this Kings team. Take a listen. You know, I know the past couple games I've been getting a lot of shots. Uh, some games before that, not so much. So I think the, the biggest thing is just keeping an aggressive mentality when those opportunities come and just, like I said, try to, try to make the most of them. HB, kind of building off of that, what you are just talking about a little bit with the offense, the ball finding uh, guys. Mike has talked before about how he doesn't necessarily draw plays up for you that, that other guys are maybe focused in that sense and he just lets the offense run freely. I'm curious, just with your role and fitting with those starters, are you trying to emphasize just waiting for your spot and picking your moments? Are you trying to be aggressive and get involved, or is it different game by game? Honestly, it's just playing basketball. I mean, there's there's certain occasions where a coach might draw a player or things like that, but, you know, if you're if you're open, you shoot. If you get a post-up or a mismatch and the ball gets to you, you know, you try to make something happen. If they draw two, kick it. If they don't, try to score. So um, I think 
for me and how I approach it is just maximizing it that way. Now, there's plenty of time you can run up and down for five minutes and, and don't see it at all. Or you can run up and down for five minutes and get eight shots. So I think however it's, it's split up um, throughout the course of a season, you know, you just always, like I said, just stay locked in, stay ready, um, and just be prepared to, to, to shoot. A, a quick follow-up with what you just said, Harrison. On those days where the ball just doesn't find you or those games where you just don't get the ball sometimes, when, when, is that – are those games tough to, to deal with as someone who you want to be a focal point or engaged and involved in a high-tempo offense like this? Are those nights kind of hard, or is it just the way it is? I mean, I think in general for the, for the average fan, you know, you look at a game and you say, oh, this person, this person scored, right? This person did a lot of things. And there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it from the other four guys, right? So in the games where you don't get those, those shots, you know, maybe you set the screen, maybe you were – you know, running to the corner that freed somebody else, so maybe doing all those type of things, right? So in a game like tonight where, you know, the average person say, oh, you scored a lot of points tonight. Well, that's because Keegan screened. That's because Kevin ran through. That's because, you know, Domas made the extra pass. Like, we're all working in concert. So I think not being attached as much to the credit of how it boils down every single night, but just doing your job and knowing that, you know, the way you have a high-powered offense is all five guys are going to have to make a sacrifice at some point in time. And, um, some nights you'll be able to score baskets, but other nights, you know, may set a lot of screens, may do a lot of cuts, and uh, may make a lot of passes that may not show up in the stat sheet. I'll be honest with you. I have a new level of respect for Harrison. Right now, back-to-back 30-point -back games do not completely win me over and erase all of the concerns that I had from earlier this season. And I saw people discussing it on social media. Like, guys, Harrison is playing now. It's right before the trade deadline. But don't be completely fooled by it because once the trade line pass, deadline passes, Harrison will drop back to the 8 points or 11-point nights at best in the nights where he's not doing anything and the nights where he disappears and he'll disappear again in the playoffs. I understand those perspectives. I really, truly do. And Harrison, like two 30-point games, is not going to erase that side of his season that's happened far too often to this point. But what Harrison said there truly gives me a deeper appreciation for the role that he has as the fifth option in that starting five. Some nights he's going to get touches. Other nights, he's only taking one or two or three or four shots because the ball's not finding him. Now, I think he could be more aggressive and be more assertive, and the Kings themselves could do more to get him some touches and get him involved. It's certainly on Harrison that at times it looks like the Kings are playing five on four and 40 disappears. But it's also on the Kings, too. And I think it's on Fox and Sabonis and Mike Brown to also get Harrison a little more involved. I'm fired up by this game from Harrison Barnes tonight, and I'm even more encouraged and pleased with those post-game comments. I think that's really, really good perspective that we needed to hear. Whether you're a Harrison Barnes fan or not, whether you want the Kings to trade him or not, and that's still a very, very valid possibility and maybe even a probability at this point. The Kings still very well may feel that they have to upgrade that position even after these two great games games that Harrison has had and they could be right but Harrison's perspective tonight I thought was needed for all of us not for just him to say not just for us to hear him say it but for us to think about and understand what Harrison is talking about and the sacrifices that he has to make more often than not in this Kings offense to make everything work that's why there should be concerns about the Kings replacing Harrison with a Kyle Kuzma or a Jeremy Grant or a player who's going to want to be more involved in the offense Sure, their input, or should I say their output, will probably be more than Harrison on a nightly basis. But does that take away from Kevin? Does that take away from Keegan? 
Does that take away from Fox and Sabonis to some extent? There's only one ball and only so many shots to go around. And the best part about Harrison Barnes is he can have big nights like this. Sure, he can disappear at times too, but he has embraced and, 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 and he understands and accepts the role that he has here in Sacramento, which is Swiss Army knife filler on the offensive side of the ball where more often than not he is willing to take a back seat to allow Fox and Sabonis and the others to get their shots up and to shine the way that the Sacramento Kings need them to shine. That doesn't give him a pass for some of the empty stat nights that he's had. Certainly not. And I've been just as critical as many of you have. But it gives us a better appreciation for, I think, what he has to go through and what he has to deal with and the things that he does that the paper, that the numbers don't necessarily bring up. And certainly the things that he does that people like myself and other media members don't talk about enough. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Hungry Root. Now, if you're like me, you love to eat, but you don't necessarily like to cook. Look, I'm not a chef at home. I make the one, two, three, maybe maximum four meals that I know how to make, and I know I can make decently well enough to be able to enjoy it afterwards. Anytime I try and be too ambitious with my food at home, it doesn't usually go too well. My wife doesn't cook either. So we're kind of stuck in our rut. We have our consistent menu, and obviously sometimes that gets old, and a lot of times we're not getting the things that we need. Well, that's where Hungry Root comes in. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. You can take a fun, short quiz, on Hungry, and Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, and how you like to eat. They don't just throw out a menu and tell you pick from this menu or just send you meals and force you to eat them, right? They give you a quiz and they build those meals around what you like and what you don't like. Hungry Root will recommend different recipes and groceries even based on your taste. It'll tell you the things for you to go out and get from the grocery store and more importantly, how to use them so they don't just sit in your fridge or sit in your pantry until they go bad and you're just throwing money away. Spend less time meal planning, shopping and cooking and more time actually enjoying healthy food that recharges you and tastes good as well. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On NBA listeners 40% off of your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off of your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. And Locked on Kings is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performances from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and Check this out. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every single time or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. With all the parts you need and the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings' big three. De'Aaron Fox, Don Montes Sabonis, and Keegan Murray but we'll start with De'Aaron Fox. Man, does tonight feel like De'Aaron Fox is back or what? And I'm not just talking about the De'Aaron Fox that puts up big numbers, although he did have 29 points, 9 of 16 from the field, a perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line. You love to see that, and 5 assists. I'm not just talking about that De'Aaron Fox. I'm talking about the Fox that looks quick. 
that looks agile, that looks aggressive, that looks healthy, that is talking, right? De'Aaron, I don't know if he lost an edge. I don't know if he's been going through a funk. I don't know if there's been mental issues, physical issues, whatever. I'm not going to diagnose him with every, anything. All of us just felt that something was off with Fox. Well, it didn't look like it tonight. Fox looked like himself. And I don't know if it's the Golden State Warriors bringing that out of them. I know for sure the Sacramento Kings bring something out of the Golden State Warriors because, man, every single time the Kings play the Warriors, it seems like they get Golden State's best. Now, this game tonight was part of NBA's rivalry week. A lot of people, including De'Aaron Fox and Mike Brown, don't consider this to be a rivalry. You know how I feel about it. I think it is a rivalry here in NorCal, just based off of how tough these two teams play and how great that playoff series was, plus, of course, the proximity of these two teams only an hour and a half away from each other, a short drive down Interstate 80. So I think it's a rivalry. Those guys don't necessarily. But the NBA clearly thinks it's a rivalry because they put it on primetime television during NBA rivalry week. That being said... I don't know if it's playing the Warriors that got De'Aaron Fox back to his normal self, but I'm so glad to see HB back and, or excuse me, De'Aaron Fox back. HB too, of course. And Fox, man, he started it by attacking the rim. That's what I love so much about this game. He was getting to the free throw line, obviously hitting those free throws. He did have some big threes later on in the game. Y'all, he had two back-to-back. I'm pretty sure they were back-to-back. Pull up cold-as-ice transition threes that shut this Chase uh, Center crowd down. It was awesome. Like, the Warriors were making their push, making their run. The game was close all night. The Warriors are, are looking like they're potentially going to steal this game away in the fourth quarter or take the lead and, 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 and come from behind and win this game at home like they've done so many freaking times over the Dynasty's era. Steph Curry hits a big layup. The Kings inbound the ball quickly, come back the other way. De'Aaron Fox, cold as ice, pull up three, nails it. Warriors go down, score. De'Aaron Fox comes back down the floor, kind of a sidestep over a pod three, knocks it down, turns to the Warriors bench, points at someone, and is jawing at the bench. Also spent some time jawing at Jonathan Kaminga earlier in this game. That is that, that's that cold as ice superstar you will not beat me, De'Aaron Fox attitude that we love here in Sacramento that makes him elite. But it wasn't him starting the night trying to hit those pull-up threes. He was starting the night attacking the basket, getting to the rim, getting to the foul line, establishing himself early while Harrison Barnes was balling out all night long. Hey, HB, you get all the attention, you get all the focus, you draw that defense aside, I'm going to get to the rim, I'm going to get to my spots, and then when the game is on the line in the fourth quarter, oh yeah, I'm the defending clutch player of the year, this is my time, bang, right in your mouth, straight away three, shut it down. I loved what I saw from De'Aaron Fox in tonight's game. I also love what I saw from DeMontis Sabonis. Not so much the numbers. Like, the numbers are great. The numbers are DeMontis Sabonis-esque. 18 points, a super efficient 8 of 11 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3-point range, 13 assists, 8 rebounds. This is 26 straight double-double. Nearly had a triple-double, right? We know how good DeMontis Sabonis is. The numbers are awesome. He fills the stat sheet every freaking night. So much of the talk around Sabonis during the Kings and Warriors playoff series was how the Warriors were playing him. The Warriors were giving him space. They were making him uncomfortable. They were daring him to shoot that mid-range jumper, even daring him to shoot that three-point shot. Tonight, he dared, and he knocked him down. Again, he shot 8 of 11 from the field, hit two three-pointers. He took that shot. The Warriors' game plan against the Kings and against Sabonis did not work tonight. 
Now, of course, this is one regular season game versus a best-of-seven series, so tonight doesn't erase what that best-of-seven series what happened in that best of seven series, right? And Sabonis' struggles. But this is why I'm confident that if the Kings get into another playoff series, I should say when the Kings get into another playoff series, teams are going to see what the Warriors did and they're going to try and give Sabonis that space. He's confident knocking that shot down. And the Kings have full confidence in him knocking that shot down. Now, maybe you can't live or die by it all seven games of a series, but more often than not, he's going to be able to take and make that shot. And yeah, just for fun, the Demonte Sabonis versus Kavon Looney matchup that we talked so much about during the playoffs. Sabonis, I already share with you the numbers. Kavon Looney tonight, four points, three rebounds, two assists, only played 16 minutes. They couldn't even play him, the Warriors, because it wasn't working, and the Warriors felt that they had to go small in order to have a chance in this game. Granted, it was the right call by Steve Kerr, because when the Warriors went small, the Warriors were playing well and, tr and nearly stole this game away from Sacramento. So... That matchup, DeMondis dominated tonight. Again, it's regular season versus the playoffs. I know it is what it is. It's just important to point out. But I asked De'Aaron Fox after the game. I asked him about Domas taking those open jumpers that the Warriors were giving him, and here's what he had to say. Fox, back in the playoffs, a lot was made about Domas and the space that the Warriors were giving him tonight. He seemed to take those shots, especially hitting a couple of wide-open threes that they gave him. I'm just curious your perspective on his willingness to take that shot and how confident you guys are in him taking that shot and, I guess, how much you enjoy seeing those drops. Yeah, I mean, seeing him this summer and the amount of work that he's put in on, on his jumper, obviously we don't need him taking step-back threes or anything like that, but um, when they're giving you that, when they're giving him that much space, we want him to take those shots. Um, and when he's doing it, when he's doing it with confidence, um, you, you, you become a better shooter whenever you actually want to be, a, whenever you want to take those shots. So, like I said, we're not asking him to shoot four, five, six threes a game. If he makes, if he shoots one or two, that's perfectly fine because that makes guys have to take one or two more steps up. Um, it opens up the drive for him and it opens up the spacing for everybody else. So, um, as he continues to just grow his confidence as a shooter, um, it, it helps the entire team. And I think um, that, that's also a big thing for me. Just you're growing your confidence as a shooter, it helps the entire. And of course, I have to talk about Keegan Murray tonight, who wore the defensive player of the game crown, and he absolutely deserves it. Tonight, Keegan, 14 points, 5 of 12 shooting from the field, 6 rebounds, fine numbers for Keegan, right? Numbers he's capable of putting up on a nightly basis, and he's starting to. But Keegan's defense tonight was sensational. Like I said earlier on the show, shout out Keegan Murray, because... Steph got going early, had five threes in the first quarter, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, five threes in the first quarter, had 18 points by the end of the first quarter, scored just 15 points the rest of the night. You know what changed between the first quarter and the rest of the night? Keegan Murray was the primary uh, defender on Steph. Not saying Keegan shut Steph down. Nobody can stu shut Steph down. And I'll say this knowing full well that some of you Kings fans might boo me and yell at me, and I've said this before on Locked on Kings, I love watching Steph Curry play basketball. I love it. I hate that he does so well against the Kings and breaks the Kings' hearts as many times as he does, but Steph Curry is one of my favorite players ever to watch, and Keegan Murray did about as good of a job as you could do handling Steph, a quick, crafty, ridiculously tough-to-guard guard, while Keegan Murray is a second-year wing, and he handled that Steph Curry assignment about as well as you could, and it's not the first time that Keegan's gotten the toughest assignment defensively and done well in that spot. Keegan tonight defensively was amazing. This is one of those nights where you can look at and go, yeah, we know Keegan's capable in scoring in the 20s. Yeah, we know he can go for 40 like he did earlier on this season. Those nights are awesome. But if the so-so Keegan Murray nights are going to be 14 points 
and six rebounds, but this caliber of defense, yeah, the Kings have a wing that they can build around and feel confident with in their system for a very, very long time. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of Locked on Kings is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are almost at an end. We're at the NFC and AFC championship games. Hey, I'm here in the Bay and not too far away, even though it's Santa Clara for the San Francisco 49ers, but not too far away at Levi Stadium. The San Francisco 49ers are going to play the Detroit Lions for a chance to play and make it to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Now, quick side note, if they do win that game, they go to Vegas. That means I go to Vegas. So you'll have some Locked on Kings podcasts from Las Vegas that have nothing to do uh, or that has nothing to do with the Kings obviously I'll be down there for Super Bowl but but I, I digress FanDuel is an amazing place for you to put some extra enjoyment on these NFC and AFC championship games this weekend extra enjoyment on the Super Bowl extra enjoyment on King season NBA season sports in general FanDuel is the greatest place to go and get that sports betting fix. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. And all you have to do is put $5 of your own money on the line. Bet $5 on the Niners' money line to just beat the Lions. If you win, great. You win some money on top of that $5 that you already put down. You're already in the green, and you get $150 in bonus bets. If you lose, it doesn't matter. There's $150 in insurance money for you to make that $5 back and then some. FanDuel is so much fun to play. They have live same-game parlays, bets in their new Explore tab, the Parlay Hub. So many great things for you to enjoy on FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. I said earlier in the show, the vibes feel back for the Kings. And I know the vibes have been off for the past couple of weeks with players not talking to the media, with the Kings losing tough games. Things just seemed like they were at a low, right? The Kings were in a bit of a rut. Well, I'm not saying that one win over the Golden State Warriors cures all or a two-game winning streak after wins over the Warriors and Atlanta Hawks cures all. The Kings still have a really tough road trip. They still have six games on this road trip to go, right? So... They're not necessarily out of the woods yet. There still are issues that this team has to deal with and has to overcome. That being said, the reason why I'm saying the vibes are back is because we had fun again. And I'm not just talking about watching the Kings play and how the Kings played tonight. I'm talking about what happened post-game. I'll set the scene for you a little bit. So we're sitting in the, the, the press conference area here in Chase Center, which unlike the Golden One Center, there's a dedicated press conference room here they just kind of put it out in the tunnel. So there's a lot of noise by the King's locker room of people, workers wheeling stuff by. It's just not, not the greatest setup, but the Chase Center is beautiful. It's just not the greatest setup. But anyway, we, we had talked to Fox. We had talked to Barnes. We had talked to uh, uh, Mike Brown. And usually we get two players and the coach and that's it. Well, all of a sudden, Sabonis comes through the curtain and he's going to be part of the press conference too. And following him, through the curtain is a bunch of cameras from Netflix. Now, you know, the NBA is doing their version of like the NFL or the Netflix quarterback special. And Sabonis is one of the NBA players that this special is following. Well, after the cameras, in comes Mike Brown and Rasay Fox, the wife of De'Aaron Fox. Also, DeMontis Sabonis' wife comes in and they all sit in the back row and... I took the opportunity to ask a question with Mike being there and Mike kind of starting to chime in and have some fun with it. Really, they sabotaged Sabonis' press conference all for the cameras and for the Netflix special, and it was a lot of fun. But I asked, I asked Sabonis for his honest opinions on Mike Brown as a coach, kind of as a joke. But Mike asked a question. Rasay asked a question. I'm going to play it all for you and show it all to you. It was just a lot of fun. It made us feel like those good time, fun Kings vibes were back. 
Thomas, it, 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 that is correct, and you spoke about Duarte and Kessler, but what about having a teammate like JaVale who thought he was going to uh, play today, but his number doesn't get called by the head coach. I don't know what the head coach was doing, but the, the, he just kind of discarded him or kicked him to the yeah. curb, however you want. How is he as a teammate? You know, I had to calm him down on the bench. But, uh, <laughs> no, he's a, he's a professional. You know, he stays ready. Um, he knows his role. Um, he came here to help us um, take, uh, take us the next step, you know, and uh, he's been uh, a vital part of our uh, progress. Sabi, I have one question for you. <laughs> Do you know where your wife sits every game? Yes, I know. I I know where she sits every And day. how many, after every bucket, do you do an ode to her? Probably every bucket. Every bucket. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Domas, what are your honest opinions on Mike Brown? <laughs> well, today we got a win, so... <laughs> today we won, so we're great. <laughs> this Kings team is so much fun. You just never know what you're going to get in those press conferences. And I actually got the opportunity to pull Mike aside before uh, before I, I had headed back up here and I just shook his hand and I told him he's just such a breath of fresh air. Like Mike is such a breath of fresh air that he's himself, right? And his self is he, he's serious when he needs to be serious. He's obviously very, very good at his job and passionate about winning, but he's a goofball and he likes to have fun and he likes to bring that personality with him and interact that way with the media, which to us is an absolute treat. So I love Mike Brown for that. I love the lightheartedness at times that he brings to his press conferences. And after tonight's win and after the struggles that the Kings have been going through recently, we needed that kind of fun in the postgame atmosphere. We did. So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Also, before we wrap up, I want to say shout-out to Kevin Herter, too. He scored the fewest points out of the starters, which was 12 points. The fact that I can say that is great in itself. But how about Kevin Herter finishing with a double-double and leading the Kings in rebounding tonight? Ten rebounds for Kevin Herter. He was crashing the glass from the very beginning. He was very active on the boards. It wasn't like he was stealing anything from Domas or the ball was just falling in his lap. He was putting himself in the right positions, reading the ball well off the rim, went up high to out-rebound some of the bigger players in tonight's game. Awesome game for Kevin Herter. Want to make sure he gets some love for that. But the road trip continues. Coming up for the Kings, they're in Dallas, then Memphis, then Miami, then Indy, then Chicago, and they wrap it up with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's great for them to get off on a great start on this road trip, but tough times are coming. Of course, we'll have recaps of every single game coming up here on the Locked On Kings podcast. If you're new to the podcast, hope you enjoyed it. Sorry if I talk too fast. The energy and the buzz is still in this building despite it being empty behind me and the Warrior fans are all long gone. It was just that much fun of a basketball game. It reignited me and my Kings passion and fired me up tonight. Uh, so I hope I translated that well and coherently here on the Locked On Kings podcast. Appreciate all of you for tuning in as usual. If you want to leave your thoughts on tonight's game, do so in the comment section on YouTube. Hit me up on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts and your vibes after this big Kings win. 134 to 133, the final score. Kings beat the Warriors. Oh, that's so nice to say. And you have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.